0: Hey y'all, hello and welcome and happy new year to you sis. Uh, Welcome to the Therapy as a Christian podcast. I wanted to give a quick intro before this interview um, because I wanted to let you one know happy new year sis and two um, as I've told y'all before y'all are getting um, episodes from me from my maternity leave interviews that I will be doing over the next couple of months, and so to kick off the new year, I really wanted to start off the year with a mommy series, um, as most of you may know that I was pregnant last year. I had my son on December fifteenth and he 's perfect he 's literally perfect and so um I did a set of interviews last year with a couple of my mommy friends and As I stepped into motherhood and kind of re-listened to some of those interviews, I am enthralled with just gratitude for one, doing those interviews, but two, just how much real or how real it is being a first time mom, a new mom, and really adjusting to this new transition. And so I really wanted to cater to my audience who are moms, who are single parents, who are kids of multiple kids or or parents of multiple kids who might be married, who also might have struggled with some postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, um, who are also married or planning to have kids. This first episode is going to be uh, with my doula. And throughout the entire month of January, I will be doing um, multiple interviews with different moms who, like I said, are single moms, moms who co-parent, moms who are married, moms who struggled with postpartum depression postpartum anxiety, um, and also moms who want to talk about their mental health and their therapy journey. And so you're going to hear multiple episodes this month on all of those range of topics. And like I said, no different. This first episode is going to be with my doula. And I'm going to go into detail a little bit more in the episode about what a doula is. But essentially, I was friends with Kayla, who you will hear about. Um, We worked together at my job my current job we worked together and she was talking about becoming a doula now not really knowing much about a doula I've always heard that doulas were people that you know helped with birth support and I always thought that it was only for people who wanted to have a home birth but actually doulas are basically birth support people who educate you on all things related to birth and postpartum and so we hired Kayla during the time I was pregnant and to put into very brief words how phenomenal she was during the pre-pregnancy but beyond that the postpartum process she helped me completely with my breastfeeding um, journey which over the first week and a half of having my son was a horrible experience and so I definitely encourage you if you are somewhere and can get a doula please 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 utilize getting that service but also it was so helpful for me pre and postpartum. And so you're going to hear all things related to what a doula is. She's going to talk about a ton of things related to postpartum depression, just the transition. We're going to talk about intimacy, um, like sex with your partner, um, all of those different things. We're going to go to deep into the this episode. So I really hope that you enjoy it. I hope you enjoy the mommy series this month. And as always, I love you all and we'll talk soon. and welcome to another episode of the show and I'm really really excited about today's episode y'all because I'm interviewing my doula who I love so much and I wanted to actually interview her because she has such a wealth of knowledge as it comes to pregnancy postpartum but also in general y'all y'all know like I got pregnant. I didn't know anything. I didn't know Jack. Besides like hiring a doula in YouTube University, like I didn't know anything. <laughs> and so I wanted her to come on and talk about her expertise and her journey. But also if you are interested in a doula, no matter where you live, she is amazing. Please hire her. Like I don't say that just to be like saying it like you really, really do need a doula <laughs> if you are pregnant once, twice, three times, you need a doula, and you need one after you have the baby, so I'm looking forward to us kind of delving into this conversation, Um, of course, we'll talk about my experience in the process, but I want you to just go ahead and introduce yourself, sis.
1: What's up, Kayla, Kayla Matthews, owner of What the Doula, Uh, it's a doula agency here in Memphis, Tennessee, so I serve uh, families in the Mid-South um, but I also have clients across the United States. I have, Chuck's been a doula officially for a year and a half now, um, and just unofficially probably about three years with my friends and family. And uh, I'm a mom, I'm a wife, I'm an eight-year educator, I'm an AKA, shout out to all my Soros uh, alumni at University of Tennessee at Chattanooga, love my college, love my college. And I'm just literally always looking for opportunities to grow in birth work and to connect with people in birth work and to just impact families, one cervix at a time.
0: (laughs) That's a great (laughs) way to put it, Okay. So I'm going to briefly, before you tell us a little bit about what you do um i'm gonna tell y'all what got me into wanting to find a doula so i actually worked with kayla me and kayla have known each other since middle school actually so yep, yep. we grew up together and i worked with kayla we worked at the high school that i currently work at and she was talking about becoming a doula and i was like as soon as i get pregnant i'm hollering at you okay because i was exactly pan- how it went I planning on getting pregnant i was like listen this baby gonna come, I'm gonna need somebody because I don't know anything, y'all. I Like I told Nico last week, I said, babe, I think I've only changed like maybe four diapers in my life. Like, I don't know anything, okay? So I really just wanted somebody to educate me. I didn't even really know all what a doula entailed until I had my first consultation with you. And I was like, oh, I'm sold. And he was more on the lines of especially just you know, whatever is going to make you comfortable. And it really wasn't until like, you know, I'm a, I'm a question. I ask questions. I update you. I call you. I
1: text you. I love it. I tell people like this, if I could give a favorite client award and I know I'm not supposed to but <laughs> be you because you make me work and I love it. It makes me better.
0: Yeah. So I like, love the fact that anytime I have a question, I can ask you any update I have, like I could tell you. And it's just really, really comforting to have somebody outside of your circle that's not related to you, that's not in a position of, you know, that can give you unbiased advice that I have really, really enjoyed. And so even though I haven't had my baby yet, like I'm looking forward to the postpartum part because I already know. I'm gonna ask you fifty million questions. <laughs> You're so excited about it. So, why don't you tell us what got you started in um, desiring it to be a doula, and like what that process
1: is was like. So I was actually blessed and fortunate enough to be loved on and supported by a doula seven years ago with my daughter. And I mean, like, this is back when no one's talking about it. No one's doing it. I just seemed super weird. I was also, I'm the youngest of most of my friends. And I had my daughter at 22, which is before all my friends started having kids. So everybody's just like, what's this weird thing you're doing? But I knew I needed it because I watched Ricky Lake's The Business of Being Born if you've if you haven't seen this documentary to anybody listening like go youtube it it's on amazon like buy it it's worth the five dollars Uh, But I watched this docu-series, actually all three parts of it. And I was just like, man, there are so many things that I can choose to control during my birthday experience or during the postpartum experience that I didn't know about. My mom died when I was younger. My grandmother, like the generational gap is just there. So we don't talk about, you know, just like the things that I really wanted to know. Like my grandmother didn't breastfeed. I can talk to her about that desire or wanting to. She's like, formula's best. Like, that's what you got. Uh, and so I went on a letter writing campaign and got me a doula and just the experience was great I felt so empowered afterwards and then it just kind of died down like life got busy went back into the classroom and then I had my son and all of those like curiosities started to come back so even though I didn't hire my doula again I just like basically tapped into a lot of the energy that she um just kind of transferred to me and reminded me of and it made me all the more curious about what had changed from the time she supported me to now and so start digging and you find out there's so much that has changed like they get tummy time earlier and you know they don't sleep in this place and these the like the bottles I used with my daughter are not even a brand anymore the pump I use is not even a thing and so I was just like I was curious about what it looked like to support and then ended up finding out I had postpartum anxiety slash postpartum depression and just talk walking through what would get me out of my funk with my therapist, we identified it was what I did daily with my time that wasn't making me happy. And, and we started talking about what would make me happy. That's mommies and babies. Like mommies and babies and boobies make me happy. And it literally is a man, a uh, therapist too. And he goes, oh, I don't know what job you could do with that. And I n- instantly knew it was be a doula. And I went home and I told my husband, like, I'm quitting teaching and I'm going to become a doula. And I did, I quit teaching and I became a doula. <laughs> Literally.
0: And let me say like, Kayla is a good teacher and her connection with people is like quick. Like she can connect with you really quickly and like remember things you say. And I'm like, how do you know all this? Like, how do you know? And so so, so, why do you think having a doula on, like for a new, newly pregnant mom or a mom who may have had a kid, didn't never had a doula before, especially for us African-American women, why having a doula on our birth team is beneficial in general?
1: Okay, so I'm gonna answer that in two. The first one will be for just like either the first time new again, mom, as probably the new again moms. So every time you have a baby, like some, somebody is born and it's baby and mom, like it's two people. The people typically only talk about the baby being born and the doula reminds you of that process while you're going through like birth, like while pregnancy, while you're pregnant, a lot of your thoughts go towards like this little human that you're growing you're not th- like truly thinking about what you're putting into your body to nourish that little human or what exercises or stretches are you doing to you know create the space and room and comfort for that little human or what things are you thinking to send the right chemicals and signals and hormones to this little human and that's where doulas come in for either new or new again moms like and what, help. And what,
0: and what would you say not to interrupt you in the question no but you're like, good how would you describe like what a doula is to someone
1: I tell people it's a continuous emotional, physical, and informational support system. Like, that's literally like my one liner. I'm a continuous emotional, physical, and informational support system, like, heavy emphasis on the informational. Because I think part of what a doula brings to the table is like creating the space for advocacy and like reclaiming one's place in their birth. And so this leads me to the second part of the question, like why it's so important for African American women or women of color in general, we are just all too trusting and people in general, we are all too trusting of care providers and the passing along of information, you know, and I'm like, I some of my closest friends are in the medical profession, and I believe what they say. And like, I should have some questions. I'm gonna ask my tax preparer questions, I'm gonna ask my dentist questions, I'm gonna ask like, I'm going to ask my hairstylist questions. Why wouldn't I ask my OB or my midwife questions? And a lot of times, you know, I'll talk with women and you talk about like what, what pregnancy looks like or feels like for them. And I'm like, oh, it's just a bunch of quick appointments in and out, in and out. Well, it's in and out, sis, because you ain't asking them questions. Like you come locked and loaded, ready to make folk use them degrees that they earn, then we're there. And like, girl. Oh. Sis got a you know, note. Uh... You.
0: you know, I told you, like they just tell me everything's fine with the baby. Like I've even asked, what does that number mean? What does the fluid number mean? Like mm-hmm. I don't know. twelve point whatever. She said, like, oh, it's fluid is good. Like, well, what's the normal range? Because I don't know. And when I Mm -hmm. go into these appointments, they're so fast. And I remember, and I'll give a quick story, because I switched my OBs at the beginning of my pregnancy. I had a white OB who I had seen for like almost two years. She had did a surgery on me and everything. And I just, when I first found out I was pregnant, when I went to my confirmation appointment, I did not feel like she explained everything. And I'm currently Mm -hmm. a high-risk pregnancy And so because of that, it was just like, okay, well, I'm sending you to this other doctor. He was not warm when he came in. I actually cried the whole appointment with him. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I was so uncomfortable with like trusting them. And I had questions and I'm like, is there any other options? Is there this? Is there that? And like nobody really. Told me anything and was very frustrating, and so that was when I switched to a African American OB who I feel way more comfortable with. And there have been times where I've like often even questioned, like, is she giving me enough information? Like, is she telling me everything? But I always I come in with, you know me, says I have a list,
1: a I whole list. This we practice the list before she go, y'all. Yes. <laughs> I'm
0: like, I need to know all the things because I just want to make sure, like. I need to know what the, I, I like one appointment they said he was growing really fast and he was he was getting big and I was like what does that mean like I need y'all to explain this is this normal mm-hmm. marriage is this like this 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 mm-hmm. and so yeah you're right because we don't ask we don't we, ask. don't we
1: don't ask the questions and then I was happy you mentioned the word or you used the word trust and I use it as like we just we have this it's just like unearned or undeserving trust but there's also like the, the another reason women of color need a doula is because like you need the space like a, the safe space to say your whole truth and nothing but the truth um and like I can attest to being in certain Facilities or spaces or pla- I got an appointment later on today day that I couldn't say yes to something on paper to. Now I will tell you in your face in person all day, but I ain't putting that down on paper for my records. I know how insurance and coding and fees and stuff go, <laughs> you know. And like I'm able to like talk that way with my clients and like there's this trusting space. I'm not under any medical oath where I have to go report you to anybody or tell anybody your thing. Like my whole, you hire me to support you and your wishes. And that's what I do. And if at any point I feel like your wishes or your choices hurt or harm me or, you know, hurt or harm you or your baby, I choose to use myself. Um, And I just it's a different dynamic. And so it's just like that additional part of your support team is a support you never knew you needed. Yeah.
0: And I think, too, also adding on the layer of like the transition time when you were saying there's so much focus that goes on the baby. No one really talks about like the transition of becoming a mom when you've never been a mom like cool. the anxiety it's, i like a binge on youtube
1: <laughs> yeah her <laughs> weekly binges give me life i look forward at the top of the week where she's like this week i am going to research this on youtube yeah, I heard
0: her <laughs> breastfeeding binge and it's like that's all i'm looking at right now but anyway so like just that transition and you don't know and so it's very comforting like, even now, when I tell Nico stuff, he's like, did you talk to Kayla about it? I'm like, oh, you know, I'm going to text her and let her know. <laughs> he's like, Just tell Kayla. And I'm like, yeah, you know, you're right, babe. You're right. Because it's just too much. And I don't think sometimes there's not positivity in the transition. People talk about how motherhood is so hard, how motherhood Ooh, is so negative. God.
1: I literally, I wrote that down to say to you that, like, doulas help mothers or families Unlearn the, the overarching perspectives and stories and bits of information that our, our village comes in with. And it's not to say that like their stories and their anecdotes aren't real. They just don't have to be your experience. You know, like we have experiences and we are not them. And like, yes, trauma is real. Like, I've, I've worked with moms that have had traumatic births. And I'm just like, but that birth was that birth, sis. Like, you get a whole nother opportunity to grow a whole nother human. The makeup ain't the same. So, why are we bringing that energy into this? And they've never had somebody say it to them like
0: that. Yeah. And yeah, I get and to do even, that. I love and that. Bringing that up too, because I think, especially for African Americans, we have higher rates of like gestational diabetes, preeclampsia. Mm-hmm. Uh, that like no one really talks about and you have complications in your pregnancy being having those things and just not kind of even with that that not really being explained it's It's not. not so with having a doula like what do you think especially for the clients you've had what do you think those that have had those experiences the benefit for them that has been with having you
1: So I love that you said the thing I was hoping that like it came out in here that like you're a high risk pregnancy and you have a doula. A lot of people instantly think, oh, doulas are for people that want a natural birth. No, doulas are for people that want the birth that they desire (laughs) or the postpartum experience that they desire. I want to be in the hospital. Like you could be at the I had a doula at the hospital with the doctor in Georgia that had the highest cesarean rates known to man. And I had a whole doula in the hospital with me, you know, and so it's just like that. Th- that's one of the major things I think a lot of my high-risk mamas have been benefited from and just like having that extra support because yeah, you see your OB and you see the high-risk doctor, but now you have this third support system that's coming in and piecing together what both of them are saying or connecting dots. Like I remember you leaving an appointment and saying, well, they said this and they said that. And I'm like, oh, well, go to this one, and ask this and go to this one and ask that. Not Bam, we've got to piece it together. Yes. And you got your whole answer. And like, now we have a game plan because it's uh, your birth.
0: I recorded my doctor's appointment and I sent it to Kayla and I said, listen to this and we're going to break this
1: down. (laughs) Uh And we did, we broke it down. We, but we (laughs) talked about like, how do we have the conversation to remind your provider? Cause sometimes providers have to be reminded that like, I'm affording you access. I am allowing you to be on my birth team. Like you get to tell me what you think and I am looking forward to you also asking what I think or how I feel about what you think. <laughs> and then you letting, le- letting the decision come in me. And, um, and so, the
0: empowering part is important because mm-hmm. like I just had a doctor's appointment and I informed them, you know, the fact that y'all have not informed me of this and you're switching medications and all this is really overwhelming to me because it's making me not know what to do. And I have to go outside to do my own research and they were like, we don't want to stress. You know, we don't want to overwhelm. Like, But that's the process. Like, I need to know these things mm-hmm. in order to be able to walk into my labor, being understanding of what's happening. I shouldn't have to have my main OB tell me, what you all should be telling me when I'm coming here to get service for what mm-hmm,
1: for the special stuff and you pay it forward when you do that because now they know to like ask the next you know parent like, hey like how much how much information is too much <laughs> you know like, and I, I I don't understand why that's not a question on the front end like how much like how do you how do you like to learn?
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly.
1: You know, um, another benefit, I think, of like the moms that I've supported is just like um, being able to overcome the previous traumas of either births or um, miscarriages, different procedures. Um, I've worked with first time moms. I've worked with moms that have had six and seven and eight kids. And like we live, there's always something to learn and there's always something to learn, but there's definitely always something to address. Um, and so I feel like all of the families that I support, they leave with education that they can pay forward. Mm-hmm. You know, the, I, when I tell families about how karmic energy is real and like what happened to your, what happened, okay. When you, when your grandmother was pregnant with your mom, okay. You're an egg in your mom's womb, whatever energy and grandmother was was experiencing that to your mom was transferred to you which manifests itself in you however it does and so it's just like what do we do with that and people are like whoa like it's 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 that connected male it won't the womb it is that connected and then when you're pregnant it's even more own. when you're pregnant with your be own. mama
0: be all up in your face well this is not what happened I'm like I, I tell my mom I'm like you ain't had a contraction at 30 years girl okay <laughs> the <And> shit <she's laughs> like, I'm like, girl, calm down. You ain't had a contraction. She told me the other day a contraction feel so like you gotta poop. I was like, well, that was not what people tell me. They say, it's like period cramp. I'm like, girl, you ain't had a
1: contraction in thirty years, okay? <laughs> well, now pushing is like you have to poop. She's right about that. <laughs>
0: just, are you thinking about pushing? She's like, no. A contraction. I'm like, okay, see. Um, that's, that's, that's so funny story,
1: okay? and, then, okay, that's and another thing. benefit this will be my last bit. the last benefit is just like being able to empower the partner and or the village. And so oh a lot of a lot a lot of people think you get a doula when you don't have somebody. No, you get a doula when you have like you get a doula whenever you want to, first and foremost, but definitely if you have somebody, I come in and I help the partner take the reins back. Like, no, like you know exactly what to do. You put that baby in there. Like, we're going we're go, about to get this baby out with my support. To <laughs> not
0: like speak for Nico, but like he has been I will say I know my husband can be very like whatever you need but like since having you he's very cognizant of me and like it's so strange because I think he thinks of stuff that I'm not thinking of he thinks of things a step ahead of me sometimes and I'm like he
1: asked about the camera you didn't ask about the baby camera in the nursery. he's like so where do you think it should go like here we're there and it led to like a a good conversation and us mapping out the space and exploring
0: I would have that thing in the closet.
1: <laughs> he know you want to see that baby. He know he ain't going to get no sleep if you can't see that baby while you doing whatever you <laughs> okay. doing. He know.
0: Okay. It, exactly. And so I think, like, especially having a doula when you're married, like, regardless, have one, period. But also when your spouse is involved, I like the fact that, I'll say for you personally, you, you involve him way more than like, just with me, like you involve him in the process. And I think that's something important because you've had conversations with with us about him feeding the baby, him taking the baby and doing this when I'm doing something else and just kind of feeling empowered because I don't think those things are things that I thought about. Even questions I've asked you of like, how can I include him more? What questions Mm -hmm. could I ask him? And those aren't things that as a mom you're thinking about because I'm just like, you know. I'm you am growing a, a human. You
1: got so much other stuff going on.
0: <laughs> yeah, so like that also was very, very helpful to us. And I think it's also helped us grow in our marriage because it's allowed us to communicate more.
1: That's what's up. Yeah, that's what's up.
0: So, okay, so what are some of the services you offer as being a doula?
1: So I'm a... I'm like I'm what you call your all-around doula so I'm a birth support I do birth support which is like prenatal conversations birth goal creation registry checks and creation postpartum space walkthroughs breastfeeding assessments all that good stuff I'm also a postpartum doula so there are some moms or families that choose to have me like solely after birth Um, and so Newborn care, belly binding, vagina steaming, cleaning and organization, meal planning and meal preparation for the postpartum phase. Um, I'll run errands for them. Um, I'll, you know, shop and uh a, a lot of when, when I start to say like errands and shopping they're like oh you're like a concierge it's all baby related it's all mama related you know like I ain't washing your husband dirty drawers but I'm gonna wash mama's whatever I'm gonna wash babies whatever <laughs> and I'm gonna fold it for mama and I'm gonna put it up for mama because she shouldn't be reaching up high she shouldn't be bending down low she shouldn't and so like I just I create that the vibe for her to chill in the postpartum stage. And then I'm also a lactation counselor. Uh, And so I help the initiation and the continuation of breastfeeding. Um, I help troubleshoot breastfeeding issues or problems for either mom or baby. Uh, My favorite thing though, is probably just like the educational courses that I provide for people because I still get to be the teacher that I really am. And so I get to educate people on childbirth and um, breastfeeding and just like helping people truly like when you know how breast milk is made and how it goes you you are already winning half the battle we we, we hear how hard it is we hear this I remember you telling me like oh like I heard about these pumps and these nipples th- these things being too hard and I'm like you got months before you have to worry about that like let's just focus on putting our nipple in a baby mouth girl
0: like okay so nipple. so <laughs> So, first of all, that was another reason why I really wanted you to, because you personally breastfed your son for how long, 15 months? And Raina. I did Raina
1: 10 months and Mason 15 months. 15! And that and, is 15. and, bruh, yesterday I was showing somebody on camera how to do a breast massage and milk started coming out of my boobs own baby Mm -hmm. like i'm showing her like how to massage her breast to get milk out and milk started coming out of my boobs my son will be 24 months in december milk and so when people be like i ain't got no milk i ain't making milk sis you a lie it's always there we just got to figure out how to get it out
0: oh wow (laughs) Yeah. So, like that, that was, I told Nico yesterday, and I'm telling you all our conversation, but I was like, I told Nico, I said, that is the one thing I'm looking most forward to like utilizing you for is breastfeeding. Like, I'm so beyond excited. And I love the fact that your perspective is so positive towards it because when I'm in these mommy groups on Facebook, like, I just see all the stuff that they talk about and I'm like, they make it sound so hard and demanding. So, like, to have that. Very positive perspective mm-hmm. makes the experience not feel like I'm walking into something I don't know. But also, with that being a service, that becomes so ingrained in. You being a mom and your perspective of being a mom. And so I think that that's again why it's like so healthy and like helpful
1: to have something. And I was about to say, it probably helps too for you because you got to experience me and like seeing me. Like, I don't think you ever saw me put a bottle to Mason's mouth. And he was always at our school. Yeah, I worked in a whole high school. And if I could latch <laughs> my son, we was in a PD with 50
0: staff.
1: <laughs> my favorite back. story.
0: This man was in the back pulled her shirt up and put her titty in this boy mouth. It was breastfeeding while our principal was present. And
1: I raised my hand to answer a question while he was eating. <laughs> Cause and I and I'm gonna tell you full transparency. I did it just to let everybody in the room know that I was breastfeeding. Listen, and that's and that's how I, I, I really did. I did. <laughs> I I had to. Me and Dee talked about that. I was like, I I answered that question just so everybody could turn and track me and see me feed my baby. Now they were not seeing titties and stuff, but they definitely got to see the act of feeding.
0: Yeah, and I think that that's just empowering because you just have to know sometimes that I'm gonna feed my kid regardless. Like you don't, don't have feed any- my
1: kid regardless. Regardless of where I'm at
0: right <laughs> I think again that goes back to what I said about it being a positive experience. Uh,
1: but yeah so it like the breastfeeding part it it just it it's probably my my favorite uh and just like to toot my own horn because I, I I need to get better at doing that in the last four months I have helped four moms who had negative or like traumatic breastfeeding experiences successfully latch and breastfeed um and one of my mamas she has been going since so excited right like i literally she sends me pictures of the milk in her haka and i'm just like yes and no they were not all vaginal births two of them were cesarean births and they still are latching and breastfeeding it's real it's
0: beautiful i'm so excited that's like the one thing i'm so excited about because i got all the supplies i asked Mm -hmm. everything on the registry girl you came in the other day even like you got two hawkers baby i got two and i got she got a hawker
1: for upstairs and a hawker for downstairs okay
0: (laughs) and just use an
1: empty water bottle she got a
0: hawker Extra, just extra but I didn't care I was like I want all the things but anyway so so talk about so let's kind of talk through talk about some of the services um and things you can do postpartum and for birth but for you in general like talk about breastfeeding postpartum <laughs> and some of the personal things you experienced that kind of brought you into the work and then we can kind of delve into like what those specifically look like for mom
1: okay so my breastfeeding journeys, I've had two of them, and they were both very different. Uh, with my daughter, it was just like this obligatory thing. I did it because, you know, I saw in the documentary that I watched that it was good, and I was young, and I should be able to do it, so do it, and I did it, Um but it was very much like this obligation. It was a job, it was a chore. I remember like lugging this pump back and forth. And I just, when I reflect back on it, like outside of her latching, I I, I can't even, like when I think back to that breastfeeding experience, I don't remember her latch. I remember me pumping because I pumped a lot because I felt like I needed to see the milk. I needed to see the milk in the bottles. I needed to feed my freezer. I needed to feed my baby. Now, fast forward with my son, Like, literally, the most helpful, healing, positive breastfeeding journey. Like, I get tingles when I talk about like breastfeeding with him because, like, it was just truly like the healing I didn't know my body needed. I wanted him to latch. I knew why I wanted him to latch. I knew what a correct latch looked like. I knew what. Uh, Like, I remember I had nipple pain with my daughter and I just like just stuck it out like, oh, you know, tell people about it like, oh, it's going to hurt at the beginning. No, breastfeeding shouldn't hurt. If it's hurting, break the latch and start over. And I knew that with my son. So I'm just like, no, you don't get to hurt me. We're going to do this the right way because like, I'm doing something good for you. Let me help you do something good for me. And it became this like consensual thing because. When you're, when you're nursing, when you're breastfeeding, you are literally giving of yourself, like (laughs) from the inside and the outside to another person. It should be consensual. You should feel good about it. They should want it. And you should want it. I tell people all the time, like, or I ask mom, you know, like, what are you doing before breastfeeding session, when they say it's like hard, and like, oh, I just picked the baby feet I mean, you shoving this big old brown thing in this baby face. You ain't said like, hey, how you doing? Are you hungry? I'm your mommy. I want to feed you. Let me smile and coo coo. Let me let you smell your food. I'm like when you walk in the kitchen, don't you know? Don't you want to eat? Don't you salivate when you smell the food? Let the baby smell the milk. Get them. And so, like, I I loved knowing that this time around with Mason, and I got to do that. Um, with Raina, I remember like looking at the clock and counting down to like, I just need to make it to where I don't have to buy a formula. Like That was my whole reason for breastfeed. I just didn't want to buy a formula. I was broke and I was young. With Mason, I'm like, well, I know past the year, I don't need formula. And I knew I wanted to go beyond the year. I actually wanted to go for two years. But my son, he he led the weaning. He let me know when he was done. Um, and I actually, I thought we were going to make it to two years because his 15 month was March when COVID hit. And so I'm like, oh, I'm house with him all the time now. We're really about to go. And he had no interest in latching anymore. He's just like, no, mom, I want to run. I want to play. He would skip the feedings. And the milk, you know, went away on its own because I wasn't getting it out. Uh, I remember with Raina, I started pumping too early. And so I had an oversupply. I made milk for twins. And it was so painful. Um, I remember I would be at work. And if I couldn't pump, like, to get it out, I would just, like, it's like just wet my shirt up. Like I'm teaching, okay? I'm a middle school teacher. So I would just wetting my shirt up because I would just get that engorged or I would skip sessions. I would leave the pump. I just, there was just so much like carelessness with Raina. With Mason, it was a non-negotiable. I would walk out that classroom if somebody came to relieve me or not. They knew my times when I needed to pump. I invested in a second pump so I could have a pump at work and a pump at home because like I learned from that journey, less stress. Um, I remember I want, I had more care or insight around like how the breast milk tasted or smelled or looked or how it was stored. Then I deal with right now. I was just like, it was, it was milk. that came in my titty. It was good. You know, like I smelled the milk this time. I tasted the milk this time. I stored it differently. I labeled it differently. I invested in like little sterilization things to like clean easier and make sure my parts were good. I changed the valve, the, um, the hoses on my breast pump at least three times with mason i don't ever remember buying new cords or hooks you know with Raina. and i think it was just like me being more aware like oh there's a little like residue or, or mildew building up in this and me saying could that fungi transfer down the tube to the baby? it's a risk i'm not willing to take and so let me order those extra things i was just like a lot more attentive uh and then i use bottles immediately with Raina and all the time with mason we used bottles immediately but i personally would latch him if i had him or if it was my obligation to feed him i left bottle feeding to dad or to grandmother so they could have the opportunity to be with him i don't care where we were my titties went everywhere i went and i fed my baby (laughs) wherever he was hungry and i think i'm like
0: you gonna get this chest like yeah you're getting the the chest or no
1: uh, and then intimacy wise with breastfeeding, because that's the thing people don't talk about like how your body changes and how you look at your boobs and how you feel about like just intimacy afterwards with your partner. With Raina I remember my breasts just being like a no zone. It, I, I, I literally, my husband would come up to me at the time, he was my boyfriend. I just be like, eh, like, no, like you can't touch them, like they're tender, or like you're gonna waste the milk, or milk's gonna come out. When I reflected on that in some of my mommy groups and in therapy, and honestly, in a lot of my doula training, I realized like. I was telling, like, rejecting him, and I was not allowing him to sexualize me when he needed to sexualize me. I couldn't disassociate. I made this a whole <laughs> food.
0: thing. This is just all the reason why you just need a doula, because you don't even think about this. It's why you
1: need a doula. Like, girl. I not think about that. My girl. My girl, it took a fool. It took a whole mama to say, that man put that baby in you. You think he don't know milk gonna come out of you? And it became this, like, this like joke you know like oh you get me excited enough some milk might come out <laughs> and like for real no like foreplay with my husband my boobs are my number one goal now or like zone now and it never was before and that shifted because of just like how I look at my body yeah. and how I appreciate my body and the duality of these these things I have and I don't have big boobs but like I but I, I and oh and I do remember this him paying more attention to how my body changed the baby too. Like, I remember him saying like, oh, like I like you with more full breasts or, oh, you know, like I like the way, you know, like they sit or I like that, he just, he paid more attention. And so it made me more aware of like the blessing that they actually could be.
0: That's that a good question. Because I, I think too, no, like no one talked to me about intimacy when you're pregnant,
1: girl. Wait till you have sex for the first time without a bra on and milk starts squirting.
0: <laughs> had that conversation. <laughs> not because again, like even just intimacy wise is shifted. Like that was there was probably two months. I remember second trimester that we literally were fighting about our intimacy with each other, and it was becoming like hard because I was like this is just not normal this is not our normal thing it was uncomfortable my stomach is like I can't lay on my back like what is going on
1: like I don't get it
0: why are we struggling with something that is so fun and so easy for us if I'm being Mm -hmm. honest yeah like three times a week four times a week and now it's like I don't want to do this with you at all. Like, I don't
1: want to look your way. We talk it makes me through me. it. Love talking through that with my clients. I yeah. love it because a lot of the times dad is like, yep, that's what we needed to talk about. Because mom isn't like just approaching it from a different lens. Mom isn't thinking. Like, cause we tired, we growing humans. And so like, I contribute a lot of different ideas to what like intimacy could look like and how it shifts. Because there's a reality to those six to eight weeks after you have a baby intimacy has to look like something other than sex yeah, <laughs> and so you just you need yeah. to start practicing it now and connecting on another level you
0: know, we're gonna have to have that conversation after we got this thing but insane <laughs> to say it was something nico and i had to really talk about because we got to a point where we both said this looks different for us and mm-hmm. we have to work through now now that you're pregnant you can't do like as much as you want to do. And I'm like, but I just want to be flexible. I want my legs to go here. I want my hand to go here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and it doesn't. I mean, even the where we did it in the house had to shift. Like you again, and I mean Bruh,
1: it's you're, a you're thing. Like,
0: it's a thing. And so I think when I tell talking, you, I love being
1: a wife and talking to other wives.
0: <laughs> I'm telling you, I mean, even I went to the doctor and I said, okay um i'm getting excited but ain't nothing really happening down there and I, I need you to hear she's like oh you need this and i'm like you mean i gotta go to the store buy? like i don't want like those are thing. things yep. that i'm like your moisture trying
1: to go other places
0: no, not not a thought y'all okay now I'm being real transparent all, all my people are gonna be like Shit <laughs> but it's the same like it becomes a conversation of just That's something I didn't talk about with my husband because it's so, it's so different. And intimacy has shifted to where now intimacy is like very, it's, it's take, we take our time now. And when we take our time, it's so much more enjoyable. You get
1: to enjoy each other and the experience. Yep. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I love that. Well, that's a that's a whole nother topic I'm gonna put on my, mm-hmm. on my topic list. yeah topic. other
1: thing you asked me to talk about you said about postpartum depression okay so uh with Raina I felt you know, I don't feel like I experienced anything um and probably looking back if I decompress it a little more maybe I or you know, unpacked it a little more maybe I did because I went to work six weeks like six, six weeks were done I was back at work uh, I didn't have a paid maternity leave. I, it was my first year teaching. I got hired in August and had my baby in September, <laughs> like my first month teaching. I was out for six weeks and there was just so much pressure because I had switched into this career and everything. And I think that was another reason why I just couldn't attach to breastfeeding. And I loved being a mom, but I, I, I couldn't get the joy from it that I got with Mason, with Mason, Married now, like, both my kids have the same dad, but we're married now, we're older, we're a little more established in our career. I was, you know, I told you, it, it's a luxury. Like, I had the luxury, the, like, ability to be able to take an extended maternity leave, like, beyond what my job gave me. Uh, I took 17 and a half weeks, so basically 18 weeks. And, I'm so excited
0: uh, about the fact that I get to take all this time <laughs>
1: Girl. it's just amazing and probably week four I was going crazy and I was just like because I'm a doer I'm a busy 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 person I wear a lot of hats and it was difficult for me not to have those hats on uh specifically I was the athletic director of my middle school Mm -hmm. at the time and we were in championship like time and I'm like I have to miss the game or I have to I can't do these things you know like I just remember that eating me up but then when I would want to do that thing, this anxiety would take over and I would say, oh, but I can't do it without the baby or like, I can't go without the baby or like, who's going to feed the baby? Like he needs my boob or like, did, did, did he sleep the whole time? Did he get those naps? Did he, and I just had all these questions, and it was just, it was on overdrive and I'm not an anxious person at all, but like anxiety really crept in. And then I remember, I'm not a crier either. Uh, only when I really care about something. But I just remember like crying for no reason sometimes because I couldn't figure out what just had me like, like I would literally just wake up and be like, is the baby okay? Is the baby? And so there are some things that are normal in pregnancy. Like it is normal for you to think, like, did I suffocate my baby in my sleep? Or like, did I, you know, tuck this thing in, or is my baby gonna fall? But like it was overkill, overdrive, like taking over reality to a point where I didn't want to comb my hair. I mean, remember I didn't call my, I didn't, I didn't take showers. I wasn't come my. Here, I wasn't I wasn't even like doing the breast care I know to do with my boobs so my nipple ain't smelling funky and sour from the milk like I was just existing and I, I was talking to my best friend and she was just like some sum's off like this ain't you and she had experienced postpartum depression twice mm-hmm. um and she was like I don't know if it's depression but it's something and I took an assessment online it's called the Edinburgh assessment uh, you can take them free online I took the Edinburgh assessment online and I scored a 15 and a 10 or more is depression. And I had a 15. So I booked an appointment with the therapist that day. And what's so funny is it wasn't until like the fourth session that the therapist called me. Yeah, he's like, how are you going to get over this anxiety? And you keep bringing the baby to your appointments because I was still bringing the baby to my therapy appointments with me.
0: Wow. So there was no separation. There was
1: no separation. I wouldn't ask anyone to do anything because I can do it best and I have to do it because I know it's done. And that, that was when it wasn't healthy. It, it wasn't allowing my husband to bun. It wasn't allowing me to separate. Like he needed to bond and I needed to separate. Um, and so guided therapy that happy you about to leave? Yeah. Got in therapy. Um, and that was, okay, that was helpful. And, um, I, I, I did like eight weeks of the therapy. Um, I remember that. And just, I I still apply a lot of the tools today. Yeah. Uh, just like when I feel myself like sinking back into, I have to do it all. And just like using my words, my husband, like, hey, i like your support here. Or, you know, can we do this together? Um, and we've, we've really gotten in a better rhythm now, honestly, since I've had that episode because he needed to tell me that he thought I just had it all together. And I needed to tell him, even though I do, I don't desire to. I don't want to be super nothing, super nothing, Mm-mm. super supported. I'll take that, but like super woman, you no. can have the cape. Get out here.
0: Yeah. And even as like a mental health um, professional, like there, what I heard with that, there's a lot of guilt. There's a lot of shame. There's mm-hmm. a lot of like, I... Even just like societal norms that may unintentionally be embedded in us of just like the woman has to do this because I'm not even that, but I just have to do this because this is what we have to do. And I remember in tying this to myself, two things. One, I remember telling you recently, like I, we were like, "What do you need for postpartum?" I just need to take a shower and make sure I brush my teeth. If those two things are in in line, I'm okay. Because if I don't shower, that can start going on in today's and that's just being honest because I've been in a depressed state before and I know like hygiene Mm -hmm. is the first thing to go out the window and so then also too another thing I had a conversation with Nico about was based off a podcast that y'all are actually going to be able to hear and and the girl Carlissa Carlissa was like you know people ask me all the time like why leave my son with my his dad and I was like Everything that I know how to do, he knows how to do. That's just as to much his son as it is <sighs> mine. And so when she said that, that triggered something in my mind, I asked Nico, I was like, you want to know all the things that I do or, or I would do as a mom?" And he was like, why would I not? That's just as much as my kid is, it is yours. And that made me feel comforted because it also put in my head, like he has, he doesn't have the expectation for me to do everything. He mm-hmm. wants to and desires mm-hmm. to be involved and in be his dad. So that also comforted me to not feel like I have to put the expectation on myself to be mm-hmm. all for this boy. Because I which will- is what
1: the average, but it's what the average, you know, like birthing parent does. I'm trying to use the right language, was the average birthing parent does. I was just telling my best friend that this morning um because we we do a prayer call and and, in the call my other best friend on the phone said to her um oh you know yeah you want him to you know just kind of do things the way you do or be more a little aware when he's with her of how you do it i'm just like no sis that's not fair like your way is your way his way is his way because he should be allowed to have the space to create those systems and routines with your daughter the same way you did i don't care about his gender and i got a whole like man and female dynamic with my husband and my daughter. Now there are times when I step in and I say things like as a woman, because I have a different perspective because she's getting older, but that's her dad. He should feel comfortable around her. He should feel like I trust him around her and he should feel empowered to be proactive enough to think about the things that she needs. Even when she was little, I-, I love it when, you know, moms go out, you know, like two or three weeks after having a baby and people are like, "Where the baby? Like with their father, like they have a father. <laughs> they were their father. Cause I'm going Cause to- mommy needed a break
0: you got this part? i'm going to target and i'm going to marshall's and i'm going to starbucks then my- Bro, one, of,
1: one, one of my clients lily she made me so happy when she told me like three weeks postpartum her husband he just woke up that day and he was like hey so you got a day off like just go and she's like what i'm supposed to do he's like i don't know but it won't be in this house figure it out he was like you like candles go to, go to marshall's and walk around and get some candles and you know and she was like eh, it was just it was just she was like I sat in the parking lot and he was just like okay well you going again tomorrow so figure out where parking lot you're gonna sit in tomorrow <laughs> like whatever how it beautiful. is how it was is so beautiful
0: it? okay you know what I'm saying and so I think about that and so those are things that we don't again why you need to do but just go ahead <laughs> I'm going to put the information in the box. Gonna
1: she be- going to tell your husband or your partner to give you just, some just, days okay,
0: off. Okay, just do it. And so with that, though, talk about postpartum depression and anxiety. I recently heard about that. Mm-hmm. And what are some early signs and what should moms communicate to others if they're experiencing that?
1: So, fun fact: both parents can experience either of these. Most people think it's just the mom or the birthing parent because she and/or that person had the baby. And a lot of the times, like the like it, it happens to the dads as well. So, or spouses out here. So, just be aware of that. Um, but just some some symptoms are, you know, like excessive crying, not laughing as much as you used to, not being into the things that you used to be into. And it's not to say that you can't change, but it's just like. I loved, you know, like cuddling on a couch and watching movies with my husband and I I despise <laughs> spending time with him in that way now. Like that's a thing. Um, you know, and like why why they're um, obsessing over something, um, guilting and shaming. Um shakes and crying like just out of nowhere for no reason at all for long extended periods of time extreme fatigue uh, loss of an appetite and of course like some of these symptoms sound like a bunch of other things but I mean depression's depression and depression and anxiety are cousins like <laughs> they're cousins one one you know, they share two and three of the same symptoms and then it's like free for all whichever other one you choose to to go into and so uh, what I like to do with clients is right before they give birth, I give them the Edinburgh assessment, which is the postpartum depression assessment to just like gauge your number. And then a couple of weeks after delivery, we do the Edinburgh assessment again to just like check that number. Um, you know, and I, I'm very transparent with people. I told them the first time I said this, I was a I just recently last week, I was an eight. And now again, a 10 is like, you might have some going on. I took this last week, I was an eight. Uh, you know it, it but it made me sit within myself and look at the questions that I answered that drove my score to that to say like okay what can I do to take control of my life there because that's the thing um and so it becomes anxiety versus depression when those feelings overcome you and distort your reality mm-hmm. so you know I can't leave I I, I can't not change every diaper because dad doesn't know how to tie the straps the same way I do it he's not going to put it on the same notch or he's not going to tuck the penis down the same way or whatever else and it's just like no like even if he does it does the world the world doesn't end it's just not done your
0: way <laughs> I think that's important to know because I had I experienced a, a depression the top of my pregnancy probably like maybe around May and it was like for about three weeks, and that was when I went back to counseling. And then, right kind of through, we were doing the baby shower. I remember, girl, because you, cause girl, I was in a rampage about that registry child. It was a, whole, it was a whole debacle. But, but, yeah, but following that time, I realized how much I was anxious and wanted things done my way. That when Nico stepped in to do stuff, it would literally drive me insane to where now when I would talk to him about it, I noticed I'm so much more patient. I don't, I know the name thing was like a whole, like the name and that's naming the kid was a stressor to me. And just the smallest thing. And I realized I can't be this way because he's not going to do things the way that I do, but it doesn't mean it's wrong.
1: And even- And it's I, his baby
0: too. And it's his baby too. And so it has, it has forced me to really be like, I can't be like this because Elijah is going to be his son just as much as mine and if I'm doing this now I don't want this to be an issue when he gets here. And so it's mm-hmm. it's it's very important to kind of even have that personal check-in process like you said with the uh, assessment because you can then see am I struggling with this now to be able to address some stuff after the baby comes.
1: Yeah, and when I do that, um, when I do that assessment on the front end, I like to have partner there when it's happening, um, so partner can be aware of the score and like know the answers to the questions, and then ask partner, okay, like how does it make you feel hearing this? Like what, what like what, what d- does it make you curious about anything? Are you, you know, do you want to know more about anything? And you know, sometimes dads do, and sometimes they don't, and then I'll kind of like guide or steer that conversation, and I'll say, okay, well if you notice she's crying too much, what are some things that we can do to counteract that? And like letting dad say what it would be. And then asking, you know, birth and parent mom, like, would that, like, do you think that that would help you stop crying? Because what he thinks might work for you might not be the thing. And we just need to talk about that upfront. Like when you see me crying a lot. And like, I remember like my therapist helped me with that tool. And I remember telling Martin, like, when you see me not eating and I've cooked dinner for all of y'all and I'm just like exhausted, asked me seven times over, like, are you going to eat that? Did you eat? How was dinner? Like it, whatever you got to do to remind me, like nourish yourself too, because I will forget about me. Um, and I, I remember telling him, you know, like you go to basketball every day and I just want to dance. He said, like, go dance. And so I started dancing and I, I, I got, I felt guilty because I was choosing dance over my daughter's activities and I stopped doing it. And then I said, you know what, wait a minute. My husband don't have nothing going on on that day. Husband, I need you to help me prioritize me. I literally said to him just like that husband, I need you to help me prioritize me. Me needs to dance, but me is going to prioritize her kids. If you know I hadn't danced this week, can you step in and take Raina for me? I'm not going to ask you to do it. So I'm telling you that I need you to tell me you're going to take her to ballet or gymnastics and he does all the like if he noticed I ain't got a dance in that week, he's like I'll take her to gymnastics for you and that's a reminder for me like you ain't danced this week let's go find a dance class and it's just like it's this healthy cycle now of support that doesn't allow me to stay in that dark place
0: And, and and I think too that's just something we have to know we aren't taught these things we haven't been taught to communicate our needs because we have these unrealistic expectations for one and we want people to kind of just like know First of all, men don't know. They don't. They, they bless their hearts. They don't know. They nice looking,
1: but they don't know. <laughs> they
0: don't know. And, and actually, ever since we saw you on Saturday, Nico has checked in with me. I know at least two to three times a day. How are you? Do you need to talk through anything? And that's something that I'm like. He does periodically, but I mm-hmm. noticed he does it. He's been doing it like over the last two days.
1: Because I said the thing to him, I'm like, she will work through whatever pains or complications because this is what women do. And so if you just stop her and ask her, how are you? How does that feel? How did it feel? It'll make her think about it a little more. And
0: I think that it makes him feel empowered to help, but also feel like I want my wife to be good. I want her to be good going into this process kind of thing. So that's I think that's really, really good to just kind of be aware of. And just more so in general, like how do you think for moms depression postpartum depression anxiety impacts the way they take care of the baby
1: um so it can go a number of ways i think the most common ways are there's this um this anxious nervous energy transferred into baby or there's this detached distant devoid that baby can sense and pick up Um, I think about the times where I was just like the most down or sad or whatever, I would have to remind myself that that's not the energy I want going into breast milk. so I'm not going to nurse them. I
0: remember you told me that I was like, I did not think about it that way.
1: When I'm stressed and worried and like I'm building cortisol, I don't want to transfer that into my milk for my baby, especially if he was, you know, a black man, like they already got a lot of stuff going on. Like they come out the womb, (laughs) you know, battling some things. And so I just like, but me knowing that helped me check those emotions and like channel the energy and steer it and be a little more um, empowered um, i think about the if you're if you're not a new mom so if you're a new again mom like your other kids they see that they see this like like get rich or die trying mentality they see that like tired work to the bone stressed thin miserable mopey cry mom that you know most of us were used to or had experienced or heard about or talked about or whatever they don't see mom like prioritizing me time. They don't see mom like meditating and in and out or getting out of the house and showering and changing. Like they don't see that. And so it creates these false narratives for them and and you know starts to transfer. Like I like I think about my daughter watches everything I do like just as a woman. She watches everything I do. I know she's going to breastfeed her kids or at least be interested because we talk about me breastfeeding her, she watched me breastfeed her brother and I talk about breastfeeding all day, but I'm exposing her to that. If I was exposing her to depression, self-doubt, self-worth, um, and, and, I mean just all of those things, she would like, you know, be living with those skill sets and I and I don't want that. So your kids they definitely, you know, they 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 can be hurt by that in a way that you might not always see now, it'll manifest later. Um, and then it's just at minimum, if you are feeling of those things and you're nursing, you just kind of want to be aware of those feelings. Like I tell moms, like, you want to be calm, you want to be stress-free, you want to just feel good, like in your safe place when you breastfeed, you want to build up as much oxytocin, so the prolactin gets going, and, and you can just have this baby, you, you can meet, have this baby and you can, you know, create this milk and, and establish this bond with your baby. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's really good. And I think too, I think I remember when you said that I pay attention to when I'm so happy, like I took the last two months of pregnancy to not really do a lot. Like, so for my business, I basically put it down and I have thoroughly enjoyed being present this last two months because I have noticed small things just make me happy. Like When I'm sitting with Nico and he's playing 2K and I'm just on my phone, I I randomly will say that I'm so happy. Like just sitting there with you, going to get my coffee right before I go to the doctor every Friday. It just makes me so happy and it's making me present, which Mm -hmm. then allows me to feel like my son is experiencing this joy that I'm experiencing. Yes, that's the thing. And so I I, want to feel that all the time. And so I think it's very, very, it's intentional.
1: It takes intention. It's not something that's just like natural. And you have to be graceful when you fall off the wagon or when you forget and not beat yourself up. But you have to have those like bumpers, those, you know, like whether it's a friend, whether it's a scripture, whether it's a story, an affirmation, whatever that thing is. But you have to have that bumper that like drives you back to your truth, like to your center of life. Exactly,
0: Exactly. because there are some days I'm like, know i'm sad today i don't feel it it just is what it is and then i just kind of have my day and then get back on it but i think it's just paying attention to that is very very important so okay so that's a good that's, question mm-hmm that's so to wrap question. it up so any tips for expecting moms but also too do you offer virtual services to someone who is not in memphis
1: I do offer virtual services Uh, after talking with one of my favorite clients I've decided to like list it on my website like it's always been there people reached out to me but after uh after this goes live I'm actually gonna list it on my website out there uh but I I have supported people virtually uh and literally I mean you get all of the same benefits except I'm just through a computer or through a phone Uh, And then full transparency with a lot of my, like, in Memphis clients with the way hospitals and COVID-19 are set up. I'm not able to be present at the births. But what I tell people is you're not paying for me to be present at your birth. You're paying for me to help you maximize this experience. Because whether I'm there or not, you and your husband or you or whoever are all the support you need. And I'm just empowering that to happen.
0: I I'll say, like, even... Times where I've checked in with Kayla, y'all, virtually, I've gotten the same benefit whether she was with here with us or not, and she's not able to go with us to our birth during the time that we have her. So it's like I still don't feel like I'm missing anything from not being able to like if I'm not if she's not able to come to me personally. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that that's birth good know. The way, yeah, no, no, it doesn't. Um, Cause you know, I'm gonna ask the questions. I ask, will. I ask questions, but you have to, you also, I will say with virtual, you do have to know, like, you have to utilize your services because they're great and they're useful and she's really good.
1: Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm.
0: That's and so my, yep,
1: I offer the virtual services, so like as a package, or like if people just like have questions and they want to just like sit and talk, I've always had listed on my website, like a la carte, like, you know, virtual dual support session. Like let's sit down, let's talk. Um, For number two, about the things that you're worried about. So, you know, for people on a different budget, that's an option. And then uh, some tips and resources for expecting parents for sure. Interview some doulas, like get you a doula man, you need a doula. Um, (laughs) If you're early enough in your pregnancy, and you are feeling um, like some, some, if you're curious, and, you know you're just like looking to see like what else is out there, like look into some midwives if you're seeing a traditional op. Talk with your insurance and see like if they cover. A lot of people don't know that. What
0: are what are midwives like? I, so, I don't know that until I got you. But yeah, what are midwives?
1: So midwives are medical professionals trained and educated to deliver babies. Um, they tend to deliver babies in home or birthing center se- settings, but there are like midwives that deliver in hospitals. Um, I, actually, I had a midwife that delivered in a hospital in Chattanooga. Um, and we have midwives that deliver in hospitals, homes, or birthing centers here in Memphis, Tennessee. There's tons of them. Um, every color of the spectrum you can think of is a bunch of them. Uh, and so they, they, they are the most slept on and overlooked gym in maternal health care because the average woman has a low risk pregnancy and could utilize the services of a midwife. Um, I'm even guilty of not taking advantage of that. Like I've taken up space on an OB's, you know, roster where someone like you, who's high risk, like actually needed that OB. I, you know, could have opted for the, the, the midwife, the midwife. Uh, and I'm at, I'm actually, I have an appointment today at two o'clock. I am switching over my care to the midwives. So they will be the people that do my well woman checks. And if I get pregnant again, they will handle my children because I want to be about what I'm preaching to other people about. Mm -hmm. um and so like you know like look I mean even if you're not early enough into your pregnancy still look still check like if you're not vibing with your care provider switch like ask the things say the things um and it's okay while
0: you're pregnant because I switched at I switched at 15 weeks So I was already past the first trimester when I switched.
1: I've had two mamas switch at 34 and 35. I switched because I moved cities. I got my new doctor at 34 weeks. And that was also when I got my doula. Because I was like, I got this new doctor in this new city. I need a doula. Like, I don't know nothing. Nobody here. I need a doula. Yeah. Um, Other tips would be to uh, create a birthing plan. Yeah. And and
0: that's really, really important. Because, like... (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> y'all there's so much they don't tell you that happens like before during and after labor and delivery like decisions that you have to make that you just want to know that you even thought through them or even if you're undecided on them like you want to know that you're undecided or what your non-negotiables are
0: when you told me the baby can stay in the room the entire time we're in the hospital i was like what do you mean i thought they'd take them
1: i thought they'd take them
0: i said Nico,
1: nico we were we roaming in sis we rooming in
0: i was like i don't want him to leave me i want him to stay there now somebody somebody did mention to me though like if you're struggling with sleep like it's okay to send them to the nursery but if you
1: it's always okay to send them to the nursery but even if you're not struggling with sleep it's okay to send them to the nursery but she me her and needed my eyes on my little cute little brown baby the whole I- time I-, I had a cute little brown baby i wanted all the smoke
0: I was like, I want him I want him there for every test unless it's a circumcision. Like Yep, than- that's
1: and that that should be the only reason they'll will him is for this circumcision. They can do everything else in the room with you. All
0: right, and I was like, that I said I told Nico I said we need to hire kayla Like when you said that to me at the consultation, I said we need to hire kayla because I need to know all these things. And but it just I be little things. Also too, when should people hire a doula?
1: So I, my, my like tagline for this is, is as early or as late as you need the support, but you know, just like don't not get it because you think it's too early or it's too late. i've had moms
0: like at 20 weeks or 23 yeah i think y'all booked me at 20 late they were like it's too late i was like no you can i was like girl i said i really started calling her when i was like at 30 weeks and i think Mm -hmm. we hired you around 22 or
1: 20 yeah somewhere like 21 uh Mm -hmm. 21 22 i was texting one of my other clients yesterday i think you're just checking in on her she's uh, earlier in the term and she was like i know i'm the worst client ever i don't i don't ever text you or use you for anything i'm like oh when you hit 32 weeks you'll be calling and texting me all that there. Um, you know, and so I tell people, like if you're it depends on what you're trying to get what what you're trying to get out of getting the doula. If you're worried about the fee, the fee's the fee regardless of when you book them. Like let's just be real about that. I don't know no doula that got like a slide and prorated scale. When you book them is when you book them. And so if you book me at 14 weeks, if you book me at 33 weeks, you're still gonna run me that same check. I just think it makes more sense to get your money's worth and to book me as soon as you know you want it. So you get you literally get the same amount of time. You know, but I've had people that um, have, you know, booked 34, 35 and we've, you know, worked on that. But it just meant like every week we were meeting for a prenatal because we're, we're about to have a baby in four weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like yeah, that's the thing. I, I'm, as soon as you can. And then uh, another tip is check with. So don't let finances be the thing that stops you from getting the support. Um, on the medical side, and because doulas are non-medical, on the medical and on the non-medical side, there are so many resources available uh, federally and locally for people that I, I think people just don't know about. Uh, like me, for instance, like I have payment plans. There's only a 30% retainer due up front to utilize all of my services. Like It's just 30% up front um and a lot of people don't know we have a community doula here in memphis if you live in a certain zip code like it's not a financial obligation if you're black and you live in a certain zip code you qualify for you know a community doula and i do community doula work through them same care they're getting all my what the doula energy just through birth strides a small plug for birth strides y'all go get you some doulas through birth strides they're awesome Mm -hmm.
0: yeah so and i think that's all of those things are helpful to know because Again, I didn't know I needed it until I got it. And sis, I promise you, I, I text Kayla, I call Kayla. I'd be like, I need an appointment with you, sis. Can you send me your calendar? I need to ask you a question. I recorded this session. I was like, I need to update you like all the time, all, all the time.
1: The and time. I love it. I love it. I love it. A and like, if people- you don't have the doula, like get in a support group so you can be yeah. able to do that.
0: Yes. So... Thank you, sis. So definitely look for Kayla's information in the show notes. I will leave it for you all, or you can email me if you have questions. I can always forward yes. her information, but definitely look in the show notes if you're looking. Just book a consultation. Don't feel like you got they are free. Yeah, <laughs> book a free consultation. You don't have to commit, but just like talk to her and like let her hear you out and what questions you have, and then you can. She can always refer you to anything if necessary, but definitely just book a consultation so you can get at least your knees heard. So that way you can just know how awesome it is. So I love you, sis. Thank you so much. And I love you all and look forward to the rest of the episodes this month, because we're going to be talking about all things postpartum, mommyhood, everything like that, all for the month of January. So I'll talk to you Get you
1: a doula, man. Get you a doula.
0: All right. Talk to y'all next week.
1: Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain.